Welcome to the Richview Church Podcast. We want to journey with you in your next steps with Jesus. Ready? Let's go. I'm pleased to welcome to the church uh, Amy, uh, who is... uh, uh, a missionary that we've sent out to, that has gone out to YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. I'm not going to ask her to come on up. She's going to give us a little bit of an update on what she's uh, been up to and some of the future things that she's going to be up to. So, Amy, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy. Um, so, I was recently with uh, Youth with a Mission in their Honolulu base, so YWAM, and I was doing a discipleship training school or a DTS. Uh, but I just wanted to start off by saying, um, yeah. So I wanted to start off by saying mahalo or thank you to Richview Baptist Church just for all of your support and all of your prayers. It's really just allowed me to go on this missionary trip and to see God moving in so many nations. So it's been amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I spent three months in Honolulu, Hawaii, at the base with YWAM, and we had a three-month lecture uh, lecture phase. So we had a different speaker every week, and they would speak on topics like hearing the voice of God or servanthood and it was just a time to really build your build and grow your foundation in God and learn more about him and just strengthen your your relationship with God and then after this three-month period we had two months of missions so the first month um, I spent in Baguio City in the Philippines Uh, so in the first picture um, we we were able to teach Bible stories at schools um, in the Philippines for children and then in the middle picture uh, that's just me sharing my testimony at a church so every Sunday we would lead a, a ser- like a we would lead a Sunday at a church in the Philippines, and we would lead worship. We would share two testimonies and share a thirty minute sermon. So that's just me sharing my testimony. And then the group picture is of police trainees. So once a week for two hours, we got to also lead them in worship. We got to share two testimonies and share fifteen minute sermons with them. And we got to do small groups with the police trainees, and we were able to really. Um, teach them more about God, teach them how to relate, have a relationship with God and just strengthen their faith in God. And it was just incredible because one day they're going to become police officers protecting the city of Baguio and it, they're going to have Jesus on their heads and on their hearts. Um, and it's just incredible that we could do that and God gave us this opportunity to speak to these police trainees. Um, and then for the next month, we spent in Poi Pet, Cambodia. So the first two pictures um, are of us teaching English. Um, we taught Bible stories, but mainly we also taught English to the kids. Um, And these are just a few of the ministries we've done. Um, But the next three pictures are at the Bridge of Hope Center. So this was essentially a church um, with um, an English school behind it. And it was still kind of under construction, but they were running their church and they were still running their English school. So we did whatever tasks they needed us to do. We kind of, at one point, we moved like big piles of wood to like clear up the area and make it safer for children. Um, At another point, we painted this mural um, at the side of the church. And as you can see in the middle picture, the kids are very... They're very excited to like have us there and to help us paint and watch us paint and stuff. So that's kind of what we did in Cambodia. Um, And then next slide. Uh, So yeah, my next steps are that uh, this Friday, I'm actually gonna go back with Youth with a Mission in the Honolulu base. And I'm gonna be doing their School of Missions and Evangelism or the SOME. I felt like God was calling me to do this school and essentially the school will help better equip me to share the gospel in either other nations overseas or share the gospel when I come back here uh, to Canada or America. 
Um, so yeah, if you have any questions about what I did during my DTS, if you have any questions about what I did during my SLME, or if you would like to know how to support me in this next season of my life, uh, please come up to me. I'll just be in the back near the information session, and I'd love to talk to you guys. So yeah, thank you. Praise the Lord that he is raising up young people who want to do the mission of Christ. So you're such an inspiration, Amy, and I hope many uh, more people will follow in your footsteps, blessed by God, to share the good news to the nations. Why don't I pray for you as you go off uh, into your next stage in life. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the passion, for the gifts, for the skills that you've imparted uh, to Amy. And Lord, I pray for this next sec uh, session in life. Lord, would you give her the training she needs, the equipping she needs, the grace that she needs uh, in order to share your gospel to all nations. Oh, Heavenly Father, would you give her these things, I ask in the name of Christ. Amen. Again, my name is Ed, and it's my privilege to be the uh, transitional lead pastor here at Ridgeview and uh, chair the preaching with Tyler. And uh, great to see you all here today. And we're going to be old school this morning because this old guy forgot to upload the PowerPoint uh, to the program this morning in my rush to get out of the house. So take your Bibles, uh, Bibles at the back if you don't have one with you, or your app if that is your uh, choice. Uh, flip to Luke, Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, easy to find. Yeah, a little bit more light they're asking for. Thank you. 20, chapter 22. That's where we're going to find ourselves in a few moments. Let me lead us in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time together. And this has already been a rich service. We have already heard and seen and participated in so much. And we thank you that we can gather together to grow and learn and share here. And Father, I pray that by your spirit you would help us all now to focus on your word and what it might have to teach us this day. That you would cause these moments to be like that Old Testament story of Moses, holy ground. And that we would want to be ready to hear what you would say to us, our living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Move in our midst this day. Take away those things that are dross, that are garbage. Renew our minds. Help us to hear. And may your name be glorified. Amen. Uh, I expect that from time to time when you're able to pause from the busyness of life and just have a few moments to think, you think about from time to time, well, just how can my life count? How, how do I live life in a meaningful way? How can my life really have impact? I believe that everybody wants their life to matter, to make a difference. I certainly do. Uh, and every person that I look up to and, and respect in my life, want to spend time with, 
one of the things that attracts me to them is that, is that they want their lives to make a, make a difference, for their life to matter, uh, to count for something in this life. In fact, I think we could say that we, we all really do want our, our lives to be great. Uh, who would want to live lives of, of insignificance or who would say my, my goal in life is just to live a mediocre life? Well, hopefully no one and hopefully not you today. And we live in a world where all around us are, are, are symbols or representatives of greatness. All last week as I was uh, traveling on the road and listening to the radio, I kept hearing about the starting of TIFF this past weekend, the Toronto International Film Festival. And all the celebrities that were arriving in town here in Toronto and how the, the red carpet was uh, being rolled out for them and where you could even go and sneak a peek of these celebrities, maybe uh, there are people here that have done that this past weekend. Because film stars and sports stars and even sometimes political stars are, are certainly what the news champions all the time. And, and it would be easy to begin to think that that's what it means to be great. That's what it means to live a, a great life. Well, in the days that Jesus walked the earth almost 2,000 years ago, uh, the question of greatness was also on people's minds, including that small group of 12 disciples that Jesus developed the most intimate relationship with. Uh, the Gospels actually reveal to us that Jesus had a kind of three-year intensive training program for those intimate disciples, and they went with him everywhere, and they were both exposed to how Jesus lived his life, and, and they, of course, were exposed to his teaching also. Some of that teaching, as we know, is in very public settings, some in very private settings. Today we're looking at a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is actually in a very intimate setting with these 12 disciples. In fact, he is sharing a Passover meal with these disciples. In fact, it's the Passover meal just before, just before Jesus is arrested, goes on trial, and is ultimately crucified. This is his final meal with them. And there are a variety of significant things that are recorded for us in the, in the scriptures that happen and are said at that meal today. But, but I'm focusing just on one of those interactions. So we're picking it up in verse 24 of Luke 22, if you want to follow along, and we're going to stick with this particular passage for a bit. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. 
For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So again, ju just to make sure you've, you've got the context of this. The disciples had been with Jesus for about three years. A and after seeing everything he had done and everything he had taught, <laughs> their humanness breaks through and they begin arguing about who of them might be considered the greatest. Uh, you see, uh, Jesus had been teaching about his kingdom. Uh, for they now fully believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And as the disciples began to think about that, they began to th think about their, their position in the kingdom. I just wonder, who's the greatest of us? John? James? Peter? Maybe even Judas, after all, he's been the one entrusted with the money. Who's the greatest? Now, we might begin to shake our heads at these dopey disciples. But you know what? I've been to lots of pastors' conferences over the years. In Christian leadership conferences, do you know what? The most frequent question is, how big is your church? How big is your staff? How's your budget? Everybody wants to be great. But Jesus redefines greatness. And I think we need to let these words of Jesus sink in even a little bit more deeply in our hearts and minds. Jesus cuts the disciples off in their dispute and arguing. He begins by having them look at the world in which they lived as a reality check. It says, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. A Gentile in the scripture is simply someone who wasn't Jewish. Two categories, Jewish and Gentile. And in Jesus' day, the Roman and Greek rulers, which would have been immediately in their line of sight, who were in power, were certainly well known for their ruthless use of power. Now, we today may have all kinds of problems with democracy in our world today. But non-democratic governments, ancient and present, tend to not have positive reputations of managing power and authority well. Authoritarian governments with too rare of exceptions are not in it for the good of the people. And in Jesus' day, many of the Gentile rulers actually saw themselves as gods who could do with people as they pleased. Gentiles lorded over them. 
and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Now, uh, this word benefactors is, is a little bit intriguing because uh, we might think of a benefactor as a person who uses their money and power to benefit others, and that's a good thing. But in Jesus' day, and, and maybe often in ours too, you see, it was, it was twisted. It was twisted. They called themselves benefactors, but were in fact simply using their wealth and power to serve themselves. It wasn't truly for the good of others. simply gave them greater attention, devotion, adulation. So Jesus says, verse 26, but you are not to be like that. You are not to be like that. Jesus has a different way. Jesus calls his followers to a different way. Jesus has a different way for you and me. And Jesus gives uh, three ways in quick succession where conventional understanding is turned upside down. He continues, instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. In Jesus' day, and certainly in some contexts uh, yet today, uh, the eldest is seen as the special child. Uh, and particularly if they are male. They are the ones that have special privilege and inherit the greatest blessings and inheritance. They carry the greatest respect. They're in the position of entitlement. And, and I think that that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, don't think of yourselves as being entitled as deserving of others' attention, respect, praise. Jesus says, the truly great person is like the youngest who doesn't assume or anticipate any of those things. But that also means, that also means, you don't have to be anybody special to be great. Not in Jesus' way. Greatness is, is not reserved for the eldest or for any other kind of heritage or position. Be like the youngest. Jesus goes on. A and the one who rules like the one who serves. Uh, rulers, as we have already mentioned, were, were the ones to be served. If you had risen to that place of position and power and respect, and everyone around you were to serve your needs, your wants. That was the common understanding of the day. But again, Jesus turns this upside down and says, the one at the top should be like the one at the bottom. Greatness isn't about being the one in charge. Not in Jesus' eyes. Greatness is defined by service. 
And I'll expand on that in a few moments. But Jesus gives one more topsy-turvy thought. Verse 27. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. How many of you like to go out to eat, go to a restaurant? I certainly do. Maybe some of you are already looking forward to doing that after church today. And the server's job, particularly in a, in a bit more expensive restaurant, is to make you feel special. To give you a wonderful experience. And clearly, Jesus is saying, the one in the desired position, the enviable position, the one we long to be in, is being the one who's being served. Who envies the waiter or waitress? They're working their tail off to keep you satisfied. And they know if you're not happy, they're going to get the brunt of the criticism. Jesus says, Jesus says, I know you think that greatness is about being served and having people wait on you hand and foot and that that's the desirable position. But listen, listen. I am the Messiah and I am among you as the one who serves and I'm setting the standard. I'm setting the example. This, this is the way of greatness. And in the Gospel of John, at this very same Passover meal, when it's described, what John describes takes place maybe at this very moment, which Luke does not include. Jesus gets up, puts a towel around his waist, takes a basin of water, kneels down, and washes his disciples' feet. And in that stum stunning, self-humbling act of service, we are given a picture of true greatness. True greatness. And Jesus confronts our understanding of greatness. It's, it's not the one who sits in the place of honor and has other people serving them or has all the power to command people and have them at their beck and call. It's not the person with all the respect and entitlement that people naturally look up to and envy. No, Jesus says, true greatness, true greatness is to take up the towel and basin and serve others. And Jesus redefines greatness. Let me be honest with you. This is no easy thing. If we really take Jesus' words and examples seriously, then we will embark on a lifelong journey of seeking to live differently than the world 
around us and how it tends to function. Jesus calls us to a different way. And it will impact every area of your life if you take it seriously. Whether you're at home with those you're closest to, whether you're at school or in the workplace, or out in the community, even here at church. Now, interestingly, with the influence of Jesus' teaching over 2,000 years of the church, in many ways this message has caught on. And there's been studies that looked at, at this whole development of servanthood in our culture. And we do celebrate. We do celebrate in our culture and at church those who serve. And I expect that in your life, and it's certainly true for me, the, the people that we hold in the highest regard, those who we really respect, are giving their lives away in service. And as a church, we, we seek to champion those who serve, don't we? At the, at the front end of our service, we heard briefly from Amy sharing about her recent missions trip and how that's continuing, how she just senses called by God to go to people who have not heard and don't know and give her life away for the sake of the gospel of Christ. And if you've been around the church very much, you know, you know we, we talk about service a lot. And we invite people to serve in a variety of ways. So I know that a lot of this isn't, isn't new to you. But, but here's the thing I've noticed. There's a lot of room for growth. You ever heard of the 80-20 rule? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I've not done the statistical analysis here. My guess is we're not too far from the rule. Certainly not far enough. Until we're known, until we're known as a church that serves that has this amazing heart of service. There's lots of room for growth. Are you known as a person that has a servant heart and life? So what might it mean for you and me to grow, to grow into greatness as Jesus defines it? Well, first heart thing we need to embrace humility we need to embrace humility if there was one virtue that I had to pick as the thing that churches and Christian leaders need most today it's humility our passage doesn't specifically mention humility, but it's the essence of humility that runs all the way through it. Because the challenge, the obstacle to be a servant 
It's humility. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Bible translation, uh, The Message, uh, wrote these insightful words. Nobody aspires to be a servant. We have a higher opinion of ourselves. No one aspires to be a servant. We have a higher opinion of ourselves. And that gets at the problem. Because every one of us resists humility. It's not natural to our fallen nature. It confronts our pride. Yet Jesus, who sets the standard, models this amazing humility, a humility that not only brought him from the glories of heaven to earth, coming as a babe in the manger in Bethlehem, but lived a servant's life without wealth, without position, without status, and ultimately a life that took him to the cross for the sake of the world. A servant's life. Disciple John in his letter writes these poignant words. 1 John 3, 16. Just listen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we are to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Or paraphrase, don't just talk about it. Do something. So servants embrace humility. And then in the words of John, Act in love. We love others. Not because they deserve it. Not because they've earned it. Because they need it. Because they need it. And that's why the church exists in the world today. To live out the love of Christ. To serve in Jesus' name. To be the body of Christ. The embodiment of Jesus' ongoing love for this broken, lost world. And that's what we are to do as a church. And there are so many ways to do this. Last week in this, Tyler and I have spoken messages that are simply aimed at helping us prepare not only for the party in the parking lot next Saturday, but really for the ministry of the church this fall. Last Sunday, if you did, haven't, weren't here last Sunday, I would encourage you to listen online to Tyler's message. At the end of his message, he asked this probing question for us to consider. What will it take? What will it take? What will it take for us to move forward in the mission of our church to see others joyfully come into a growing relationship with Jesus. What will it take? Well, a partial answer to that is it will take 
a community of believers radically committed to follow Jesus in the way of servanthood. That's what it's going to take. And next Saturday's party is just one way. In, in the scheme of things, it, it's just one day. But I believe and I'm praying that it's going to be a great day. And I am thrilled that so many people have already signed up to participate in one way or another. And I encourage you to pray about that party this week and think about who you might be able to invite and so on. And it's just one way. It's just one way to serve our community and say, we want to know you. We want to serve you. We want to enter into your lives. And if you have, are able to come next Saturday and aren't signed up in some way, this is the last call. There are still ways that you can participate. But there are lots of other ways. I'm going to be very transparent. Transparent. Johnny and Joanne, our youth and children's ministries directors, they're just a little nervous that we might be a little bit more effective next Saturday than we're really ready for. Now, now that's exciting, but let me tell you, they're a little nervous. And what that means, what that means is we could use more midweek and Sunday morning nursery and children and youth ministry volunteers. And you know what makes wonderful children and youth ministry volunteers? People with servant hearts. People with servant hearts. People that are prepared to serve others in the name of Jesus. And of course, there, there's a ton of other ways. Helping support Alpha. Facilitating a community group. Helping out in some aspect of our worship ministry. Serving in some aspect of our first impressions. There's a rally right after our service today. If you want to hear more about what that's all about. Serving on the Richview Foundation board. Or helping with the monthly hymn sing. Serving on the property committee. All kinds of ways. But service is more than a specific role and task. It's a lifestyle. It's to be how we follow Jesus day in and day out. It's how we're to love a broken world in need. And I would encourage you most to begin where you are. Your school, your workplace, your home. And I want you to wrestle with this question. How is Jesus calling me to serve and to serve more fully? You want to be great? You want to be great? Not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God. To make it your aim to live a life of service. For that's what it means to follow Jesus and be devoted to him. 
We hope you were encouraged and challenged in today's podcast. Check us out at richviewchurch.com, Facebook, or Twitter at Richview Toronto. But you know what? We're not an online church, so we hope that you'll come visit our church in person. We'd love to get to know you.